that's it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And into the New Testament, we have Colossians chapter 2, starting from verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built it up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross." And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Thanks, Grant. Thanks uh, also, Danny, for leading us in prayer. And uh, good morning, everyone. It really is uh, very good to be with you here this morning. And um, I, can I just say as well, uh, for those amongst us who would understand. Shin Yan Kuai Le. Happy New Year in Chinese. Yesterday, uh, Sarah and uh, myself were able to be there for the special celebration organized by Annie and our Mandarin Fellowship. And we thank God for a number of guests who were able to come and hear the good news of the love of Jesus as well as making and eating dumplings and watching dance. And thank you too to many of you who came along and enjoyed that time together as well. Um, also, can I just let you know, this is gonna sound a bit like public service announcements, I don't mean it to be like that, but um, uh, this afternoon I was invited to be at an event um, uh, over in Sydney, uh, but I delight to be, and my commitment is to be with us as a church family here at Fig Tree but I just want to let you know that um, there is an event called Never Again Is Now where a good number of brothers and sisters and Jewish friends and neighbors are gathering together uh, for a very special event designed to enable us to show our solidarity in standing with Jewish people. And uh, it is an event that is designed to make a clear statement against anti-Semitism. 
Um, and so whilst I can't be there in person, I am praying for that event, and I'm really looking to invite you to join me in prayer that it would be a special sense of solidarity for Jewish people who at this time in many instances are facing uh, quite a lot of uh, difficulty and abuse. And so um, I'd love you to be at the throne of grace with me in that. Also to let you know that today we're going to be looking at Psalm 1, which means that that profound and beautiful reading in Colossians is not going to be addressed in full today. However, uh, very soon we shall have the talks on Colossians that were at our Ignite conference for our youth and young adults made available online. And so there'll be a, a comprehensive um, exposition series of sermons from Ruth and Pete that will be available to us to uh, read into Colossians if that's something you'd like to be doing. Uh, but for now, just to let you know that this is our vision setting series for 2024. It's called Under the Fig Tree and it's a preparation for our Fig Tree annual general meeting that will take place as you heard on the 10th of March and in these weeks I plan to steer us through the scriptures in the very Word of God as we discern together God's plan and purpose for us as a fig tree family to grow in faithfulness and fruitfulness for his glory. And over these weeks, you'll remember last week if you were here that we looked at the subject of soils. This week we look at the topic of roots. Next week we shall look at the subject of fruits and then we shall land on shoots. And our request of God is that we might continue to see fertile soils for the good news of his son Jesus, uh, that we as his family might develop deep roots, and that by his grace we should see within this family fresh fruits and beyond new shoots. And I wanted to share with you a poem years ago. I, um, I learned this and I forgot it. <laughs> but in the words of Robert Frost, this was published in the Atlanta Monthly back in 1915, and it was called The Road Not Taken. And uh, in essence, he said, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, uh, says something that is not dissimilar. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 11 to 13, where he describes how it is good to follow him, to take his path, but that's a hard journey. It is not an easy journey to follow Jesus. He says, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it. Broad and easy is the way to hell, and many perish on it. And back in the days before God came into his creation in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, as we heard beautifully in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, deity in the flesh. And that's, of course, as Maz was asking earlier, where Jesus gets his power because he is God with skin on. Before then, God spoke by his Spirit through the prophets, through the forefathers, and through the songwriters of the day, the psalmists. And here we have in Psalm 1 a poem setting the tone for a life deeply rooted in the very Word of God. And as we explore this passage together today, my hope is that we together shall be blessed by engaging with the Word of God, that we will hear God's voice and that we will heed, or respond to, or obey 
God's voice. It's a blessing to know God. God's word blesses us as his people. His promises prayerfully trusted. And like Robert Frost, the psalmist shows us two ways. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And our hope and prayer is to discover, for some of us, to, to be reminded, for many of us, that God sinks his kingdom roots deeply for us. In fact, the big idea today is exactly that. God sinks his kingdom roots deeply as we delight in his word and as we walk his way. So would you join me as we pray because uh, it's God's word and his spirit is with us and it would be a good and right thing if we surrender to his spirit now. Would you join me? So then our loving heavenly father and almighty God, king of the universe, just as we have received Christ Jesus as Lord, by your grace may we continue to grow in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we are taught and overflowing with thankfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my first point of three is this, delight in God's word. Uh, this is from Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, and I want you to imagine for a moment a majestic tree standing eternally by a riverbank and the roots reaching deeply into fertile soil. This tree represents the people of God, the body of Christ, the fig tree family of which we are part, firmly rooted in the very word of God and drawing upon living water. Jesus says, anyone, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, believe in me, and come and drink. And so this tree symbolizes the fig tree family drawing on living water. And I want to acknowledge as we kick off today that there are some amongst us for whom we're feeling pretty fertile, perhaps like a lush sapling, perhaps full of vigor. Uh, there are others amongst us who feel full of foliage and maybe more akin to a, an older oak. But I do know that there are some for whom we may be feeling like a bit of a withered sprout. The beating sunshine coming down and perhaps feeling parched in a desert. Maybe for this season enduring some bruising or beating. Maybe even some amongst us who are feeling the bruising and, and beating of a life without God. Well, I want to let you know, according to the word of God, if you are somebody who is following in the footsteps of Jesus, who has tr put their trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are blessed. Whether you feel it now or not, you are blessed. Because blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Blessed literally meaning you're straightened out if you're a person who delights in the law of the Lord. Somebody who meditates on the word of God, and I don't mean that meditation where you empty your mind of everything completely and try and focus on nothing, which is of course impossible because the moment you're focusing on nothing, you're focusing on something which is nothing, which is not nothing, and on it goes. Uh, or perhaps you're thinking about the repetition of a, a mantra that may or may not have meaning, or perhaps, and I don't want to do this down with mindfulness because I know for some people it's therapeutic to be able to take 
take those pictures and fill them in with colors and what have you, and that can be a beautiful thing, but I don't mean that sort of um, empty-headedness or extreme focus, but rather focusing on the very word of God, to meditate on what God has said and how to respond to that. Meditating on God's word, verses one and two, day and night. In other words, rejoicing in God's word, fully and finally met in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, our delight is found, our satisfaction is found in God's word, not when we approach it as a rule book, although it is good for our living, and not when we focus on it as an exercise task, but rather recognizing that God's word shows us the character of God. It shows us his majesty. It shows us that he wants to get to know us and has been so keen to know us that he has come into our world in the person of Jesus. And delighting in God's word happens when we're captivated by the grace and truth of Jesus. That's delight. It is akin to joy. But what it is not is happiness. You know what happiness is? Happiness is when we as people respond to the things that happen around us. And happiness and the pursuit of happiness is a very good way to control people beyond a relationship with God. Alexander the Great knew this. You know the Greek king? He was a very savvy dude. He worked out that there were only four things required to keep the people happy and under control. And some of you will know what those four things are. Actually, and, and this is not rhetorical, I'd like you to answer. Does anybody know what those four things are that Alexander the Great put in? It's known as Hellenism. That is Hellas, Greece, and the ideology that flows from that even into today. Anybody know what some of them are? Say again. Democracy? No. But thanks for trying. Thanks for playing. Okay, no, number one. Food? Yeah. Entertainment. Satiation. One of, one of them was entertainment in and of itself. Uh, the other one is sport. Athletica. There was another one which was gymnasia, which I got muddled with this morning at 8 o'clock, but gymnasia is actually education. And then the final one, which we're all striving for in this fleeting life, is what? A good hospital system. Health. So that's all he did. He, he made sure that there was education, there was health, there was fitness and sport and entertainment. And when you hear those things and begin to think about today, it, it's not that different, is it? Like today, we have exactly the same priorities. People are kept happy by education, health, sport, and um, media, increasingly social media. And um, with this Hellenism, which is prevalent today, oh, and by the way, just as a little fun aside, um, if you've not seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding yet, it is time to, because it will help you understand the benefits of Greek. Helos, Helos uh, is the Greek the word for Greece, and Tula's father in the movie, who's a fellow called Gus Portokolos, says all words come from Greek word. It's very important to know your Greek, but only if you want to be happy. If you want to know joy, know Jesus. And to know Jesus is to know his word, which can be helped by Greek and Hebrew, but we don't need it. 
But what we can do is read and reflect on and meditate on the very Word of God because that is how we get to know Him and grow in delight. Remember last week how I mentioned uh, what a good thing it is to join a life group if you're not in one already. Uh, it's great to be with other people who delight to read in the Word of God because together we get to know God better in and through one another in fellowship. But it's also good to have good habits. I find some of us are naturally disciplined, some of us are not, and I have to be very intentional in reading and reflection, not as a dull duty, but simply because sometimes in my life I don't feel inclined to read the Word of God because I'm in a bad mood, or something's happened and I'm disappointed by a bruising. So sometimes I just have to go through the discipline. Other times I feel really desirous to get into the Word of God. So the little paradigm I use is no Bible, no breakfast which for a man like me is a serious incentive. <laughs> and if I fail that one, I go for no Bible, no bed. So whatever happens, I know that I'm at least in some small way or significant way being nourished by the very Word of God. Now whilst that can work, actually there's so much more to the Word of God. If you're somebody who's been reading the Scriptures, you'll know that it's a voyage of discovery. You'll know that he's put, God has put loads of beautiful puzzles in there, conundrums and things to work out. You know what a balm it is sometimes to read the Psalms, the relief of reading the Word of God, knowing that with the harder times, the very Spirit of God groans with us. The knowledge that actually the Word of God is a love letter to his people and an expression of his love. The Lord Jesus as the groom and we as the church as his bride. God's word is what we need. And all promises lead to Jesus because he's the, the taproot, if you like, the main root to whom we go, the very word of God. Now a lot of this I was saying last week and if you haven't heard the talk from last week, please do feel free to go onto the website and catch up. But I want to take us on the journey about developing deep roots now as we look at verse 3. Actually, um, Sarah and I and the family lived in uh, Ermington near Eastwood for about a year or so. And there was a number of quite mature trees. And it was a big property. It was a couple of hectares. A couple of mature trees. But there were also some of that. You know those annoying scrub bushes? We just had to get them out of the way because they were in the way. And one day I um, went down there and I thought, yeah, hacksaw would do the job. But the hacksaw didn't do the job. And then we moved to a bigger saw. And then we got another friend with one of those kind of jackhammer drills that you can buy at Bunnings and even that wasn't working and the more we kind of dug around this bush we realized that there was actually a really big root and it required one of those root grinders do you know those things like industrial strength root removal and um, well that's a deep-seated root <laughs> uh, for what seemed like a small shrub it was a deep deep root and sometimes roots can go very very deep in fact because I love you, I did some research this week and I found that the most deep root that has ever been discovered in history was 200 meters deep. In the, can you think, 200 meters in the Transvaal in South Africa. And it belonged to, and this will surprise the horticulturalists amongst us, a fig tree. Why is that surprising? Because fig trees don't normally have deep roots. They have broad roots. They go very broad, sometimes twice the canopy. So that was interesting to find out. But I just then thought, man, look at our little fig tree. Have a look at the roots on that one. It's a little resin box. I know it's a pretend tree. I hadn't forgotten. But there's the, <laughs> it's a very different story. And so when there's no roots, there's no hope of reaching water. But the psalmist says that the person who meditates on the word of God is like a tree by streams of water, a tree rooted by the source of God's living water, and that when we get into the word of God, we will have spiritual stability, and we shall have spiritual vitality, and we shall have spiritual prosperity. And how do we know? Because that's what it says. 
in Psalm 1 verse 3 is a clear illustration. We look at the lens, we look through the glasses of the gospel, through um, the good news of God's son Jesus who fulfills the promises and we see how this stream of water symbolizes what he offers, which is living water, John 4. And when our lives are not built on the shifting sands of temporal things, but rather on the very words of Jesus, and we put those words into practice, he then says that we are to be rooted in him. Anyone who hears his words is the wise one. Anyone who responds to him is the wise one. So hearing and doing Jesus' words is what is required to see the fruits and the shoots of life in our family tree. Lives built on and obedient to the word of God will see deepening roots and enduring stability. And that's helpful, isn't it? Because if you're an older person in this room, you've known what it's like to walk with the Lord Jesus through some of the bruisings of life and some of the beatings of life. For some of our young people in our teens, they're only just embracing this for the first time. And some of our younger ones have never really experienced what it is to be bruised and beaten in this world. Brothers and sisters, it's coming, isn't it? For some of our younger ones, the study disappointments and the work disappointments and the relationship disappointments and those friends that we'd invested in who fail us. And sometimes those dreams that we've had that have been broken. And we together as a family who've been through these things know how to endure. We press into the Lord. And we press into his promises, don't we? And for when we've had family members who reject us for Jesus and we turn to God and with aching we cry out, come sort this out please Lord God. And to worship him and to have hearts full of him with an unchained affection by his grace is what carries us through. And I want to say to us today that this is really as a family at Fig Tree how we can be investing in one another. There's an opportunity in the year ahead about which we'll speak more and in the years ahead for intergenerational discipleship because Jesus gives us an opportunity to disciple one another. Our primary role, and I say this knowing that we have a wonderful children's minister and wonderful leadership team and leaders in training and helpers who invest in our children and wonderful youth group leaders who invest in our youth, but discipleship begins at home. Parents and grandparents within families are responsible for the discipleship of our younger ones. And the blessing of having these people who've been set aside to partner with us and to equip us and encourage us in that, it is still our primary responsibility to invest in those little ones that they might be inoculated against what is to come. And finally, I want to make this point that that's the story for them and for us and for all of us until the end is that we walk his way. The righteous are those who are walking with Jesus his way, and there's this delight to hear and heed the word of God. The wicked who resist and reject the gospel of Jesus, well, they are like chaff. We heard last week how chaff is the stuff on the outside of the kernel of the wheat or the corn head. It's just kind of fluffy stuff that floats away. The chaff represents the fleeting life and those who live apart from the word of God Those who repent and walk by faith with Jesus can now live a delighted and rooted and obedient life according to his word, but for the wicked, the future is bleak. Because no matter how much good health and education and entertainment and sport they might have in this life, 
These words remind us that a life lived without Jesus ultimately, if not now, lead to emptiness and hopelessness and separation from God. And the future for the wicked shows us the power of sin and the need for rescue that is found only in Jesus. So three things to think about in this section. Number one, walking with Jesus. Firstly, may we check in how we are walking. What part does God's word play in our lives? Not yesterday or a week ago or a month ago or a year ago, but right now. What part does the very word of God play in our lives? How are we walking with Jesus? My, my big question is, are you walking with Jesus? And if not, why not? Because Jesus is the good life. Jesus is the better life. In fact, Jesus offers something that will not be fluffy and floaty and chaff-like. And to avoid the gospel or even to embrace the gospel half-heartedly is to live like our lives are chaff. And you know in areas of your life, as I do in mine, where we're a little bit chaff-like. Let us press into the very word of God and examine our own lives and embrace the benefits of hearing and heeding the word of God. Secondly, we don't have to do this alone because Jesus walks with us, but we also as a family get to walk with one another. And so as I say, when we have the opportunity to be alongside one another and with our kids and our grandchildren, this is part of the process of discipleship, the multiplication of disciples, the disciplication pattern. At the moment, our mission is to build a community of grace committed to making disciples of Jesus because that is what Jesus would have us do. And so I want to ask you a simple question. Has Jesus changed your life for the better? Has he? Is life better with Jesus? And does he continue to remain faithful to you today? Now for some of us it may be that we feel that that's not the case. And if we're feeling that, we really need to engage with the word of God and to be reminded of his promises. And sometimes we need to do that with skin on. And so we go to a trusted friend and say, hey, I'm really flagging, help me. Walk with me a while as I cope with this in my life so we can walk together as a season. Maybe you're somebody who feels very confident in the presence of Jesus with you and perhaps this is the season for you to look around you and find somebody with whom you can walk to encourage them within the fig tree family, somebody who is doing it spiritually hard. And can I say, I'm so heartened because I hear stories of how we walk with one another. So often I hear from, even this morning, somebody shared with me how they had been walking with somebody who was downhearted and downcast because of a deep bruising within the family. And yet in that space, being able to walk together enabled them to journey into confidence in the sovereignty of God. And he worked his purposes out by way of growing both their faith in him. And also do not walk on by. That's the benefit of walking as a family. Do not walk on by. Finally, you and I all have friends and family and neighbours and work colleagues and perhaps schoolmates. Here in the Illawarra doing it good. And they've got good education, they've got good health and they've got great entertainment and they've got good sports and yet they're overdrawn in deep spiritual debt. 
And they just haven't had the penny drop about the fleeting nature of life as yet, that this separation from God that they're experiencing now, while enjoying all the benefits of what God has given, is going to take them into an eternity without him. So thank you for those of us who are sharing the love of Jesus with others. Sometimes easy conversations, sometimes clunky conversations, aren't they sometimes? Just this morning I heard it again. I can give you an example from a conversation this morning after eight o'clock about somebody who quietly gets on with going into a space and sharing the very word of God with strangers that that person meets. Because that's the ministry the Lord has laid upon their heart and, and what a difference it will make. So thank you for those who give living water and stability to others in this way. In conclusion, we delight in God's word, we develop deep roots and we walk his way. Keep walking with Jesus because you know there's nobody like him in your life. You've had people let you down, haven't you? Haven't you? I have. People always let us down, but not him. Has he ever let you down? Really? Has he ever let you down? down 25 years I've made mistakes over the years I have thought to myself that's when you let me down Lord but you know when I look back on it I know I let myself down or somebody else let me down but actually he has stayed faithful and true the course because that's who he is. And the sinking of deep roots, it's hard. Hard and narrow is the way that leads to life, says Jesus. And last week we heard of the path on which the seed had fallen, only to have it stolen away by the evil one, the devil. And then we heard of the rocky soil exposing seedlings to the burning sun and the thorny soil of cares and woes which can crush us, even as the message of the kingdom has taken root in good soil among us. Brothers and sisters, we must work at developing deeper roots together. And the psalmist assures us that the blessing of hearing God's word and heeding the very word of God will lead us to be a thriving family tree planted by living water and nourished by Jesus, rooted in the very word of God. And the thirst in our hearts will only be quenched by the person and the love and the finished work of Jesus. And so we delight in his word and we develop deep roots and we walk with Jesus and we do it all together. And here's the big thing. Why do we do it? Because he made the journey for us so that we might journey with him you know that little poem I told you about at the beginning by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken? Here it is in full. Two roads diverged in an ancient wood, and sorry I could not travel both, being the one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, being just as fair, having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that passing there, they had been worn really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden back, and oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere, ages and ages hence 
Two ways diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Let us never look to the other way, because Jesus journeys with us on this way, and he does so into eternity. Isn't that true? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he has made a way to be right with you. May we never take that for granted, Father. And even when sometimes it's hard and the blessings and bruisings of life, we take the blessings for granted, we take the bruisings and feel like you're not being fair, may we, Lord God, continue to trust you and walk his way that that may make all the difference into eternity. And so, Father, in the words of Colossians, just as we have received Jesus Christ as Lord, may we continue to grow in him, rooted and built up in him, and strengthened in the faith as we are taught, overflowing with delight and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.